Welcome to Nothing Is OB South Texas Golf Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andy Torres. Now, today I have a special guest. I have Coach K, John Kennar from UTSA Men's Golf Team. Now, he's going to talk to us today just a little bit about the recent success that they've had in this upcoming season and uh, some of the things that they've had to deal with and how he likes his chances at the end of April for the Conference USA Championship. Hey, Coach, thanks for joining the show today. Sure, Andy, anytime. All right. Now, let's go ahead and start off with a bang here. Uh, how how come y'all are having such a, a good streak of success early on in your golf season? Well, so a year ago today, March 11th, last year, uh, I got a call from my, uh, you know, uh, athletic administrator saying that, they were shutting things down. We weren't going to be able to travel. And at that time we didn't know if that was just one tournament or two weeks or whatever. Obviously that snowballed. It's, it was a whole year process. And uh, so, you know, those guys from that very point started working hard on, on what we could do. We knew our season was over, so we didn't get to compete for a championship last year. And as you remember the year before we lost in a six hole playoff, uh, you know, in the finals of the match play for the uh, conference championship. So, I mean, we were chomping at the bit to get back to Texarkana and, and play last year. So that kind of got, you know, in a way stolen from them. And they said from that point forward, they were working for the next year. And so a lot of times that's a lot of talk. You say you're going to work really hard. You're going to do all this stuff. But these guys really came together and they brought in the new kids and they they said, look, this is going to be a different deal. We're going to work harder than anyone's ever worked. And we're going to come out the other side of this COVID deal way better off than anybody else was. And so they took it as a, you know, we really had a mantra of positive outlook, positive attitudes. Um, and so got through the rest of the spring, obviously, uh, with what they were allowed to do. We weren't allowed to practice and do stuff as a team, but they could do stuff on their own. And then uh, over the summer, they played a ton of golf. Uh, once things started kind of opening up, uh, they were able to get out, obviously, and practice on their own. But they were able to do some of the tournaments around the country. They traveled to Arizona and Florida and California and all different places so they could compete and so that they could be ready. Well, they came back in the fall and, you know, we thought we were going to be ready for our schedule, ready to go. And obviously, the, the school made the decision that we were not going to compete in the fall. And so again, kind of got taken away from them and they were like, Oh, you know, another stab in the heart. Right. And, but we said, Hey, we're, we've got to roll with the punches. When we get a curveball, we got to still hit that, you know, it's not all fastballs. And so we practiced really hard in the, in the fall. We did a lot of different things. Um, I encouraged everybody to get outside the box, whether that was mental toughness training or whether that was, uh, you know, doing some other things you needed to do to put yourself in a situation you were not comfortable and not just go through the motions. Because it'd be easy to just show practice, go through the motions, right? And it'd be so boring. And I have to admit, all fall was, was a little bit kind of like, ah, what are we doing? You know, but we, we did a great job uh, as coaches, 
and as players. They really stepped up to the plate. So they went during the school year, during the fall, you're allowed to go play individual events. So they went even during the school year and played individually at, at amateur tournaments that were popping up all over the place because they needed a place for these people to compete. And so they went out there and they did that. So one of my mantras for each semester, when they come back, I always say, you have to be ready on day one to get in the van and go to the U.S. Open. You cannot show up on the first day and still working on things or knocking the rust off. Now, in the fall, that's usually not too hard because they've been playing all summer. It's hot. It's warm. You know, they've been out doing things. But in the wintertime, you never know. I mean, if you're from Dallas or wherever and it was snowing right before you came back to school, maybe you didn't practice for a week. But this time, the weather worked out good, and we showed up in the spring, and we were ready to play. I mean, on the first day, I could have picked five guys, put them in the van, and we could have gone and played the tournament. They were ready. I was so excited. So we had three weeks of practice and qualifying, and we got our team ready, and we're going to go to Houston to start the season. And then the snowmageddon hit us, <laughs> and, and we didn't get to go. Tournament got canceled. So, again – Shot in the heart. Are you kidding me? Like, we're finally going to get to play a year later, and we can't go. All right. So we did what we did. Nine days we didn't practice because of the weather. Nine days. All right. So then we're going to go to Laredo now is going to be the first tournament, which was our last tournament that we actually got to compete in last year. So I told the guys, full circle, we're going to go down to Laredo. We're going to, you know, it's going to be warm. It's going to be good. But we got to, we basically got to practice for about two and a half days prior to the tournament started and that was it so i gotta be honest the practice round we looked terrible very rusty hitting shots all over the place speed on the greens was bad that kind of thing we end up going to the tournament they've got brand new greens super hard and fast way too undulated for you know the, the type of speed they had and because they were trying to bring the grass back from the freeze they had they were watering a lot of the stuff, and so it was wet, uh, dormant, muddy conditions around the greens. So I've got to be completely honest. It's nothing, nothing that we practice. No courses in town look like that. No, we, we could not have simulated that. So not only have we really not practiced in nine days, we are playing under conditions that we just do not play. And so we ended up finishing sixth. We beat the 13th-ranked team in the country, Baylor. We beat number 42, Kent State. And we beat, you know, 12 other teams. So we went 12-5 and five on the week. And uh, we debut in the poll 64. Now, uh, in college golf, the kind of the magic number, the bubble number to get into the postseason without having to win your conference. Of course, if you win the conference championship, you're in. But the rankings-wise, 65 is kind of that magic number. It's been as low as 60 but it's been as high as like 70, but 65 is kind of the magic. So we come out of that unscathed and we're inside the number, you know? So the guys felt pretty good about that. They kind of brother-in-lawed it, if you will. Uh, when one guy played bad, the other four picked him up. And the next day that guy played good and somebody else played bad. And we really didn't have two guys play bad on the same day. So, we were supposed to play literally five days, five uh, tournaments in a row, meaning you usually play either Monday, Tuesday, or you play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you leave like the next Saturday, just a few days in between. Well, Houston got canceled, so we played one, 
at Laredo. So the next tournament is the is the tournament that's at the TPC, the Cabo Collegiate, is the the best field in college golf all year this year. Uh, until we get to the national championship, there will be no field better. Even the NCAA regionals will not be as strong as that field. There were 12 teams in the top 30, six teams in the top 10. Um, and so we go into it as the 64th ranked team, which was 13 out of 16 of that, of that field. Um, we beat five top 30 teams, one of which was the number one team in the country, Arizona. So finishing eighth, you know, who's saying, Oh, I finished eighth out of 16th. All right. sounds like an average week, but in the best field in the country, it was a really good week. And in golf, the other thing that's kind of hard to maybe understand as a casual bystander or just somebody that's a fan is it's not just wins and losses. Don't get me wrong. It's better to beat somebody than to lose to them. But in, in a field like that, Texas beat us by one shot, and they're ranked 10th. Oklahoma State beat us by two shots, and they're ranked 8th. That, that's honestly no different than if we had beaten those teams by one shot. It wouldn't have really made any difference in like the polls. You're kind of right there with them. So not only did we beat the teams I talked about, we went eight and seven on the week, beat the five top five, you know, top, ah, five top 30 teams and the number one team in the country, but we stayed very close to a lot of other teams. So the poll comes out on Wednesday morning. Well, Wednesday was the final day of that tournament. So it came out while we were playing, and we had actually moved up two spots to 62, but it's not factoring in that week. So we knew, okay, most likely we were doing a little, you know, prognosticating. We're probably in the mid to high 30s is probably where we are. And but we'll see. So the next week we go to SMU and we're playing against another five top 50 teams. Uh, SMU is ranked 13th. North Texas was ranked 18th. And um, SMU on that course at Trinity Forest, I mean, no one plays that kind of golf. No one plays uh, the type of – that's almost like playing the British Open. You know, there's no trees out there. It's a it's a Scottish Lynx-style course. It's, it's very weird. They play it all the time. They have a tremendous advantage. When I coached at Arizona, it was the same way at Arizona State. If you finish second at Arizona State behind them, you felt that you, you considered that you won the tournament. Because you couldn't beat them. So we honestly felt like we won the tournament this week because you're just not going to beat SMU on their home course, you know, when they're that good, right? And so, again, we beat another top 20 team, uh, two more top 40 teams, um, and then a couple teams in that field moved into the top 50. So it was a really quality week for us to get 12 wins. And when the poll came out the next that night, we were 26th. So I know most people kind of understand that, you know, like a football poll or a basketball poll, you talk about the top 25 and yeah, we, you know, we talk about that kind of stuff as well in the, uh, in golf, but uh, in golf, the kind of the big numbers are if you're a top 50 ranked team in the country, you know, they put the little number beside your name on golf stat when you're, you know, they show your thing, they show what you're ranked. So kind of the top 50 is what would be considered like the top 25 in football, right? You know, when you see the bottom line, you see whoever, Texas A&M, and they're ranked fifth in the country. They got a little five next to their name. We're going to get that this next week. When you watch our team play, we're going to have a little 26 by it. <laughs> then, but the top 30, if you think about it, there's six regionals. And five seeds, uh, five teams advance out of each regional. So the top five seeds in each regional should 
you know, be the teams that are going to advance, right? Now, of course, there's upsets. Doesn't mean you're going to get out. But but you're the teams that they're looking at. So right now, if it ended today, we'd be the fifth seed at one of the regionals. So we're not talking about just getting in to the postseason and going to regional. We're talking about we're going to be one of the teams they're talking about that should have a chance to advance to the nationals. And so that's a big deal and something that obviously hasn't happened at, you know, in the men's golf team at this school and uh, some of our other sports that, you know, obviously made it to the postseason before, but you know, they're, they're not looking to get out of the first round or whatever the deal is. This is, this is quite an accomplishment for these kids. For me as a coach, just like a teacher, a high school teacher, uh, that's teaching algebra and you see your kid light up and they, they, they get the answer and they understand the formula and they understand how it works. And then they do good on a star test or whatever. You see them reap the rewards for their hard work that they put in, you know, they put in the hard work, but sometimes in golf more than any other sport, you can work your butt off and you get no rewards for it. It's a cruel game. You can get incredibly unlucky. And obviously, there's a lot of other people out there working hard, too. And sometimes you're just not as good as as whatever it is. I am so happy for these kids that they are seeing some fruit from their labor because they've been putting forth more effort this year than I've ever seen the other teams put forth. It's it's just incredible. I'm trying to figure out a way to bottle this up so this will, you know, we can use it every year. But I don't know. It's a very special group. And and I'm just so excited for them. Well, I think that's one thing when we spoke the first time that you really uh, relayed that message to me that I think some of the the heartbreak that y'all had at the previous years, uh, you know, conference regionals or, you know, your tournament, uh, some of that letdown that you had was you were going to use it as motivation for this upcoming season. And you, you, I remember you told me that you had a, you had some senior leadership, you had some elder men of the group that were going to be hungry, that we're going to be hungry and that we're going to lead this team to some places that I remember you stating that, that UTSA men's golf has never been before. And you know, it, it seems like, I, I guess, I guess you're a foreseer of the future. You, you knew exactly where you were going to be. And it seems like y'all are right in a good place. Your, your team is, is feeling good and you're right on track and maybe a little bit ahead of schedule, according to maybe where you initially thought. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a funny thing, right? Like, I remember telling people, how good do you think you could be? And I would say, I, I got to be honest, like if these guys played to their potential or like, you know, if things fell our way or we got lucky, I mean, we could be a top 25 team. Right. And so that's kind of like what's what's happened in a way. To be really honest, we didn't play our best golf in Laredo. We could have played. We for sure could have played better. We did not play our best golf at the TPC, but we really hung in there and really hung in tough. We played the best golf, you know, maybe the second day we beat all those teams. We had the low round of the day, beat every one of those teams, you know, for that one round. And, but then again, you know, then we beat some teams here at SMU, but again, you know, each day, maybe somebody didn't have their best day. I still don't feel like we've hit on all cylinders. Like, like we've shown up and just everyone played fantastic in one day, you know, sort of that little magical day. And, and so that's still coming for this team, you know, and yet it's kind of fallen into place where we've, we're, we've just, there's this it factor that some teams have and they figure out a way 
to play good enough each round to make it work to where at the end of the tournament, they're able to um, finish fourth or whatever the deal is, right, in a good field. And maybe they didn't have their best stuff, but they still had a good finish. And uh, and then, you know, one week they put it all together and they win. But this this group has sort of just – really done what they needed to do and and coming down this let me tell you coming down the stretch at smu for any of the viewers that have been to trinity forest you'll know the last four holes are really tough and when the wind starts blowing really hard it is a nightmare to play 15 through 18 and so i already knew what was going to happen this was going to be really tight and there were three or four teams battling it out for kind of that second place deal and some of them were in front of us so that means they got to finish and then they could just wait and see what we did so if they could post a number but in the end we were able to play those holes better than ever those other teams and not only did we just beat them we didn't eke them out i mean the next closest team to us was seven shots and so they all kind of fell by the wayside right and so that was a huge deal because the day before, to be honest, we really didn't finish that good. Hunter Hunter bogeyed like his last four holes. And in instead of and we might have still been in second, but only by like a shot or whatever the, the deal was, or we were tied with somebody. And so instead of already putting some room in there, we, we were real tight with some teams. And so they already kind of felt it. And I was like, tomorrow you're gonna have to finish and you're gonna have to finish in the win. And they did. That, that's the kind of thing you can't teach that, you can't coach that, you can't uh, just learn that. That is just something where these kids, they have to, you know, they have to just do it. And it was awesome to see them do it. And I'm just so, I'm proud of them, but I'm just so happy for them. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the, the hard work they've put in has been tremendous. And, and what they've had to endure missing the last spring, having the weird summer, not playing this fall and seeing their other teams, seeing Texas state right up the road play. Why are we not, you know, we're not getting to play. It's just, it was just awful. It was just, you know, turning a knife in them, but they just stayed positive and they just worked. They just dug down and worked even harder. And now then they get the tournament taken away from them from the snow. Then they finally get to play and they don't get to practice for nine days. It's just one thing after another, and they have just weathered the storm, and they're coming out on top. And it's it's just a, it's just amazing to see how resilient they are. Well, as, as a coach, uh, you really appreciate that, and you really always try. Like you stated, uh, you wanted to get your kids uncomfortable. Hey, go and play in these tournaments. And I did being on Facebook and social media all the time, seeing that a lot of your guys were playing in this amateur and this amateur event and this amateur event, and placing pretty high and doing really well. Mm-hmm. But I think it seems like. Your, your guys are battle-tested. It seems like, you know, you weather these storms and, and, and a true nature of a golfer, you know, they've they found a way to grind grind out of these difficult situations. And it's just like playing in Laredo. Uh, I remember I remember seeing you on the last day there at the tournament there at TPC at the Cabo Collegiate. I remember you told me, you said, Monday was horrible conditions. Uh, I'm glad I didn't make it out there on that day. I'm glad I went on that last day where it was really nice. Yeah. And uh, it was a beautiful day to be out there. Uh, you said you were able to, like you've been saying, to weather the storm and to be ready. And to to piggyback on what you're saying, just like these guys have been able to pick each other up. And it seems like uh, it's a testament to some of these guys, you know, some of the leadership you have on the team. So why don't you tell us right here, I'm going to put up a picture of the guys. Why don't you kind of just go down and just tell us one thing each about uh, some of these golfers that 
maybe the you know the rest of the the city that doesn't know about okay um well just kind of going in order what you got there um first thing i want to say about all of them so it's just not repeated all the time but but again every one of these kids has been amazingly resilient and every one of these kids has put forth more effort than i've ever seen a golf team put in 26 years of doing this i've never had a team put this much unity and effort into into a common goal and i think that's why they're they're showing you know we we thought we might be this good the last few years but it just you know that effort is is a different ball of wax um and they're all have a maturity level that no matter what what year they are they have uh beyond their years. So first off there is Christian Fanfell. So Christian is from here in San Antonio. Um, he was one of San Antonio's best players uh, throughout junior golf. Um, Christian's, you know, probably biggest strength is his length. I mean, he is one of those kind of like a Cameron champ kind of guy. This is a kind of guy that can, that can absolutely swing it and, you know, can get it up there at a 127, 130 mile an hour swing speeds and, and ball speeds that are off the chart and flying at 330 and, you know, just, you know, kind of one of these guys is Bryson DeChambeau kind of guy. I mean, he can really move the golf ball. Um, but just like everybody else, I mean, you got to have feel around the greens and, and, and all that kind of thing. But I mean, obviously length in this game now strokes gain shows that uh, that length can really be an advantage. Um, he has finally learned how to kind of harness that. I think the last couple of years he was really long, but maybe didn't know how to use it correctly. And he's really started to come into his own and started to uh, use everything, you know, in his, um, uh, um, in his arsenal, you know, uh, next guy on their list is Chad Sewell. So, Oh, first off, Christian is a junior, but uh, Chad Sewell's a senior this year. Um, Chad's from Conroe. He, um, uh, he came in as a highly recruited kid um, and, and, you know, has never really looked back. He's really only missed one or two tournaments uh, in his four years, uh, just an occasional slump or something like that, where he didn't qualify for a tournament. He's really been a stalwart for us the entire time he's been here. Um, You know, you've got a graphic up this last week. He was the men's golfer of the week for the conference. And, uh, but this whole year, he's kind of come back with a different, mindset. I, I I think that he's he's utilized some sports psychology to his benefit. I think he has changed a few things, uh, gone to uh, like the arm lock type putter, almost like a Bryson DeChambeau type thing. Maybe not so rigid. Bryson looks kind of like a, you know, real, very rigid over it. He's, he doesn't look like that, but, um, but still locks it to his arm and that kind of thing. It's really kind of made a little bit of a difference. I think it's a, with all of my players, I tell them all the time that the the only thing that makes you play good is confidence because when, when you play bad, human beings are very quick to go, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling all my putts. I can't putt. I, I my putting strokes bad. No, you don't. Your putting stroke looks exactly the same as it always looks. You just have missed a couple putts and it could have been your aim. It could have been your ball position. And now you suddenly think you're not putting very good and you're in this quote putting slump and then you're changing putters and then you're doing whatever. And and then the next thing you know, you just happen to, without knowing it, move it back half an inch in your stance, and you make a few putts, and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's this new putter. (laughs) the greatest putter ever. You make everything. It's all confidence. Well, Chad's got a lot of confidence right now. I mean, he's pretty much 
I know he's been in the top 15, but he's been in the top 10 the last, you know, couple of weeks. And, um, and has really done, you know, really done well for us in some big fields, beating some good players, uh, one of our highest ranked wagger players, that kind of thing. So he's, um, um, mature beyond his years. Um, when I get to the end, I guess I'll have one more thing to say about all these guys, but to kind of tie them up. But who is next on that list? Hunter okay. Well, oh, I'm going to tell you, I oh. did see his putt on hole 10, his birdie on hole 10 that last day at uh, at the Cabo Collegiate. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should have seen it, man. It was just, uh, I think, because you were on the other side. You were on the other side, and I think you were in between uh, Colin and maybe him or maybe another golfer. And right. – uh, I had just actually left from speaking to you and I saw him roll this putt in and you can tell it's just, he looked really confident. He looked really confident. And then I think the next hole, he actually just missed a birdie putt on 11 and, um, and you can see it, Uh, you know, he was able to shake it off and he was able to really, it was really nice to see him kind of play off of those highs and lows and kind of just keep a, a, a level head about it. Yeah. You know, the last tournament at SMU, the final round. So here, Chad's, played so good for us the whole time. And he's, he's the low man after two rounds and he's playing really well and he just gets off to a horrible start. And the next thing you know, he's four over through eight. And it's just like, what is going on? Like, this is just ridiculous. And, but he was able to, you know, calm the storm and right the ship and make a birdie on nine and then shoots three under on the back nine in the windy, terrible conditions and brings it home and even par and helps us beat all those teams. And, you know, it, that's the kind of thing you have to have because if he's out of it and he's five, six over and you're counting a, a high score, even with the way it all shook out with everybody else, it would have been so tight coming down that, that so he took the pressure off everybody, you know? So it's pretty good. So who's next on there? Hunter bot. Let's see. Yes, sir. We got Hunter. Hunter bots, a sophomore Hunter is a kid that when I recruited him uh, was, I think he was ranked 52 in the state of Texas which put them probably about 500 in the country. And our normal thing that we always talk about is top 10 players, top 100 players, you know, 10 in the state, 100 in the in the country. Now, he had a ways to go at another year or whenever before we would even sign him, right? But we just saw him. And I called my assistant and I said, okay, we got to do whatever we can to get this kid because by the time he gets to here, he'll, he'll be a top 10 player. He's got amazing talent. This dude is, is unreal. He does some things. Most college kids, you know, we're trying to teach them how to do flight the ball lower in the wind or do whatever. This guy's awesome. And uh, I said, you know, obviously every player has a few things to work on. We can work on some putting with them. But I said, this this is a special thing. Well, sure enough, we work with them, you know, getting them here and, and, and he signs with us. By the time he signed, he was ranked like eighth. And so kind of that Karnak deal, you know, I saw that coming. Right. And he kind of came in and he played pretty much most of the tournaments. I know he missed a couple of events and played as an individual last year as a freshman, but pretty much played in all the tournaments as a freshman and then has been a stalwart in the lineup kind of right in the middle, kind of like the number three spot, uh, all the tournaments that we've played so far. Um, Hunter also has kind of incredible length. Um, he is definitely a guy a guy that, you know, maybe some of your viewers actually know from around here, Xander Lozano that played for me. Oh yeah, Xander. When Xander became a freshman, I mean, he honestly, he really started playing competitive golf as a freshman in high school. So, I mean, his golf life was very new. There were new things that he would learn. Right. And 
but he was real talented and he could pick it up. Well, Hunter is the exact same way. He really came to golf late. His dad was a baseball player. He played a lot of baseball, was really good. He looks like Brooks Kepka. He's very big. He's very strong. Like he looks like, like you don't want to meet this guy in an alley kind of deal. But, you know, big teddy bear guy, he's awesome, <laughs> complete sponge. Literally every day at practice, I teach him something new. I don't teach any of my players anything new because they've been playing golf forever. All I ever have to tell these guys is, oh, you know, you know, move the ball up here a little bit. Hey, you're, you're standing a little too close, you know, or whatever. It's, it's always grip, alignment, stance, posture. It, it, it's that kind of stuff that you're tweaking with them. With Hunter, I'm telling him new stuff. I'm teaching him new shots, and he's just soaking it in. He literally gets better every single day with with new stuff and learning. And uh, so the sky is the limit for this dude. He got his year back from last year, so technically it's like being a freshman because uh, of the COVID deal. And and so uh, he's going to be really special, you know, here four years from now. He's going to be amazing. Um, the next guy on the list, let's who see we got? got uh, let's Michael see. Rome. So Michael Rome is from Austin Westlake, came from a story program there, you know, state right. championships uh, abound out there a lot. And then um, Michael came in uh, with Chad. They were, I believe Chad ended up being the fifth ranked player in the state. And Michael was maybe the sixth ranked player in the state. And uh, even though he was ranked that high, uh, I still felt like he was probably going to be the, he's, he's kind of a small guy, you know, he's five foot nine, five ten at best, you know, probably weighs a buck 30, you know, soaking wet kind of thing. And I just kind of felt like with my assistant coach, I said, Hey, what's probably going to happen. Only one of these dudes is probably going to make the lineup, you know, and Chad looked like he was a little more polished. Michael looked like he really had to scrap it around and, you know, use some guts and, and get it up and down a lot, that kind of thing. So college golf, you know, is he going to be long enough? And he came in and from the day one, he just laid, laid it all in line. And he's been literally one of our best players from the first day he walked on camp, surprised all of us. And so as his freshman year, he's one of the best players, um, helps us, um, you know, get to where we got that year. And then the next year as a sophomore uh, was the year, you know, he was the one who lost in the six hole playoff uh, for the conference championship and had the lowest stroke average of that year returning the next year. He's out with a back injury, which ends up being the year that it's wiped out for COVID anyway. And so he had already basically was doing the red shirt kind of thing. And so then this year, which should be kind of a senior year, but he's still going to be here next year. Uh, because of the one more year factor. And uh, so uh, he's got two years to go, but he's, but he's an old guy, you know, he's a senior and he's been the captain before. Um, I mean, he's just kind of a, an old soul and, and an incredible hard worker comes from a family. You know, his dad's a, 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 you know, construction engineer, you know, whatever, uh, what should we call it? You know, he's a builder and uh, uh, subcontractor and all that kind of stuff. And so Michael's been out there since he was 10 years old, driving a skid steer and you know, <laughs> to work, right? you know what I'm saying? And, and working hard, blue and, collar, blue collar. Well, he is. Yeah. You know, and, and he just knows how to, you know, cause his dad, you know, he'd be out there building some house or building some building or something. And on Saturday, Michael go with them. And the next thing you know, he's picking up trash or he's driving the whatever and and you know that kind of stuff and so he, he came from a very hard working background so 
Uh, and then Austin Westlake, I mean, all the championships they won, their coach runs their place like a college team, you know? So he, he showed up from day one with an ethics and a value system of work that no one else had. And basically said, look, this is how we're going to do things. And, you know, the way you did it before was not good enough. You guys, when coach tells you you're on your own and he says he expects you, hopefully that you're doing these, but obviously, you know, it's a volunteer thing, right? Cause it's the day off order. He was like, that's, that's not going to cut it. We're going to do it like this. And I think that's over the years elevated that year one, maybe, you know, it was just talk and year two, we saw a little bit more and year three, you know, those kind of things. Right. But, um, over this COVID deal, he's been the one championing playing, you know, and going to Florida and going all the places and telling everybody they need to, to kind of get, get going on with that. And the final guy he got on that list, Colin Clark. So this is Colin's fifth year. He's a super senior. I uh, was a senior last year. Uh, Colin has been for three years now, the president of the student athlete advisory committee. So the SAC committee here on uh, campus. And um, he's uh one of those all-American, well-rounded kids, you know, he's like the student body president and the the captain of the football team and the you know lead in the in the school play and the you know, just the, all the stuff, right? So um, he's awesome on the course, but even better off the course. And uh, he's been a good leader. He's definitely more of a quiet leader. He uh, he's not yelling and screaming at guys or doing whatever. I mean, if he says, "Hey, man, let's let's go practice today," and somebody kind of gives him the wishy-washy, I mean, he's not going to sit there and say, "Hey, come on, let's go." You know, this is what we're going to have to do. He'd be just like, "Okay, whatever." I mean, then you're not going to play. Then I'm going to beat you, and you know, he just moves on. You know what I'm saying? And um, so, but he's the leader. He's there first every day. He's the last guy to leave every day. Um, he's there. You know, he works more than anybody else, and uh, and he and he just shows it through what he does, um, kind of does everything right. Uh, he's the model, the model citizen, you know, the, the son we all wish we had that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, just does all the right things. And, uh, and that's why he's on, you know, he's tabbed to be, you're only supposed to be president for two years, but they had to amend the rule because if he was going to be around, uh, there's no way they could let him go. So he's the first person, you know, to, to be the president for three years. And, um, but anyway, he's, uh, um, played almost every tournament every single year. So he's amassed quite a resume. And this year we've been teasing him this year because this year he starts out, he's the low guy, the first round, every time he's the low guy. And then in the second round, he's like completely worthless. And he's, he's our throwout guy every time. And then in the third round, he's the, he's like the low guy again. And so we're like, your first and third round scoring average is like under par and you're averaging like 80 in the middle round. Like you might as well not even get out of the van <laughs> and we'll just leave you at the hotel. You can study or something. I don't know. And, and, uh, you know, he's getting a master's in like forensic accounting, you know, and this kind of thing. And, and so we're like, well, maybe you need to work more. Maybe the second round you can work on school or something. <laughs> anyway, so we're trying to get that figured out. I told him this next tournament. So he got second two years ago at this tournament, Louisiana. And I told him, I said, well, if you shoot super low in the first round, like normal with us kind of just leaving you alone. I said, if you like bogey the first two holes in the second round, like I'm sending Kyle over there to walk with you. The rest of the day <laughs> because I just can't have that. We, we have got to get you through the whole tournament. But again, it's a brother-in-law effect. I mean, when he played bad, then somebody else stepped up and played good, you know? And, and uh, so we've just been kind of getting that, getting that going. Well, why don't, why don't you uh, 
inform our viewers, inform our listeners right now, because I'm curious now in the collegiate game of golf, you have so many golfers, I guess, that are on scholarship or are on your roster. Mm -hmm. And it seems like obviously, you know, with seeing the lineups that are posted weekly, you can only take, I guess, five guys or five guys that count towards uh, the team score. Now, how does that roster, how does that lineup come to be and how many golfers like do you have total that are on that are on the team we we like to have eight the the perfect scenario after 26 years of doing this is you have two in each class and you have eight players total you're the ncaa ncaa allows you to have 4.5 scholarships that you can divvy up how you want so you can give somebody 60 percent or 30 percent or 10 percent or a full or whatever, right? But each year it, it equals four and a half. So if you think about that, and you got a five man team that you're taking, you know, you can't just have everybody on a full scholarship. Now, on the women's side, due to Title IX, they get six scholarships. And so what they do is they just give six full scholarships and they have six players and that's all they have and they figure it out from there. Oh, that's nice. All right. So <laughs> now, but they can divvy it up. They could have 12 players on 50%. But what they have figured out is with the number of schools and the number of girls or whatever, you're not getting any good players to come, you know, for less than a full ride. And so because somewhere around the country, somebody's going to give them a full boat, right? And so that's kind of the way the women's team works their, their deal. So with me, eight players like that. So because of COVID – because of getting those super seniors back, we have nine this year. So occasionally we'll have nine. We've even had 10. We've even had seven or six one year, just depending on what's going on. But we really do a good job of trying to keep it at eight. So splitting those scholarships up and that kind of thing, right? So that's kind of how you work that that system. Um, you take five players to a tournament. Uh, you count the low four scores. So you get to throw out one score every day. And then those three days are added up, and that's your team total. There are tournaments that will let you bring extra players as individuals. They do not count towards your team score. They're, you know, for those of you that know track and stuff, it's like running unattached. So you can run and you can win the race and win the gold medal, but you, your points don't count toward your team. And so, same thing, you can finish whatever and you can win the golf tournament individually because there's, there's two simultaneous tournaments going on. All these kids are playing. And they're playing for an individual title, right? And they finish 15th or they finish 30th or 80th or whatever. But then they're also playing for a team score. And so the team score is what's most important. It's what everybody is there for. Uh, it's the whole reason we do everything. But there is an individual component to things and and that kind of deal. So um, so it just kind of, kind of depends. So it's nice. Every once in a while you get to bring an extra guy, kind of get some more um, – Exposure for those players, because then in the postseason, starting at conference, regionals and nationals, you're allowed to bring one extra player just to sit on the bench as a sub. They, they don't play in the tournament as an individual. They're just literally sitting on the bench. And let's say after the first round, somebody hurt their wrist. All right. Pull him out. Sub the other guy in or somebody got the flu or whatever like that, you know, or somebody just played terrible, shot 80. You're like, dude, you're out. Put the other guy in. And then the next day, that guy doesn't play good, and you put in another. You know what I'm saying? You can just – but you have six to deal with, right? There are the occasional tournaments that have a different format where you – normally it's five count four, but sometimes you can play six count four. Sometimes you play six count five. 
Um, but those are pretty much the only things. And sometimes you play match play. Um, and so where teams play head to head against each other, or they may play stroke play to seed themselves. Like we do at our conference tournament after three rounds, the top four teams advance to the match play portion, one place four and two place three. And then the winners play each other. And that's who wins the tournament. And in that case, you just have five players, your number ones play against each other and your twos, whoever wins three points, you know, beats the other team three to two or four to one or five to nothing or, or whatever the deal is. So that's how the scoring kind of works. Um, but I, I do think that um, it's one of those kind of things where um, it's hard for the average person to look at it and understand what is going on. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and sir. That's why the, the national championship likes that match play format because they can sort of televise that. It's just hard for the TV to understand. Oh, well, you got this dude and he's, you know, these are the four guys counting for their team. So they're, they're two under today. And the next thing, you know, this dude makes a triple bogey and the other guys make, well, now this guy's counting and not that guy. And they go in and out. And that yeah, guy. I got you. It, yeah. it, it, it does make great for TV though. It really does. And, uh, yeah. having, uh, seen Ricky Fowler do the, I guess it's uh driven when he, yeah. when he did the year that Oklahoma state just so happened, you know, his alma mater wins, wins right. NCAA tournament. And then last year seen, uh, or the previous year seeing OSU go, uh, head to head in extra holes with, with Texas to, mm-hmm. to get that berth for the championship. It does. It makes great for TV. Yeah. And I have a, have a question right here by Jared. Uh, do you, you're unattached or do your players that, you know, I guess aren't on that mm-hmm. roster. Do they ever surprise you? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things in college golf that we always talk about is, so it's easier to play for yourself. You, you know, when you're out there playing on the team and you miss a putt and you make a bogey, you didn't just make a bogey for yourself. You know, you're let, you just lost a shot for your team and you're letting your team down. You're letting your coaches down. And so when you're playing by yourself, unattached, eh, you just made a bogey. You're like, yeah, I'll make birdie on the next hole. You know, it's not that you don't care. Please don't take it like that. They care a lot, but there's not the extra burden. And so we've pretty much come up with a handicapping system that it's, it's literally two shots around easier. And so when the sixth guy who's individual goes out there and, and he beats two of the guys on the starting five, maybe by just two or three shots, you know, we always tell them, don't be getting cocky and thinking we're just going to put you in in the next tournament. I mean, if you, you need to beat them by like eight or ten shots, you know, to, to really say, OK, well, you really played a lot better than this other guy because you were not under the same pressures. And so I know there's actually coaches out there that actually kind of don't like to take individuals because they know a lot of times the individuals will actually play better uh, because of that. And then it creates sort of this drama they don't want. Now, me what's the reason we're here? We're here for the student athletes, right? Want to give them the most experience they can get and want to get them the best they can get. So I would never take away an opportunity from one of my kids, right? If you get a chance to play, I want all my guys to play. And, you know, but I think knowing going in, you know, that, that that's kind of the way it is that playing on the team is a way different animal. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, our team's pretty deep. So I've got two two guys on the team this year, ones that's a super senior and ones that is, that is a sophomore that played a lot of golf for us over the years and like last year, the sophomore. Um, so, you know, no, no doubt if 
we needed to switch them in. I have no, no problem. One of my freshmen is actually playing really well. Same thing with him. Right. And so even the guys that aren't going on the trips are always kind of qualifying and and doing that kind of thing. And so you kind of asked earlier, how does the, this lineup even form? And so what you do is you have a qualifying tournament, basically a lot of times before these trips, uh, maybe three rounds and maybe four rounds. And then everybody does a different, you might say, Hey, we're just going to play four rounds and the low five guys. That's who we'll take to the trip. Other people say, well, you know, we're going to have the low three guys and then the coach where I'm going to pick two guys. Now, that may be the fourth and fifth guy in the qualifier, but then again, it may not. Maybe the best guy on the team who's an All-American, but he just didn't really play that great in the qualifier. So he finished sixth or seventh. You know he's the best guy. You know that's who you want at the tournament. So as a coach, you, you know, you reserve a pick or something like that to the one thing we do on our team is I like my players to have ownership in their team. So when we do a qualifier like that, the low two guys win their spot. So you got nine guys this year, sometimes eight. You got to finish first or second. If you can't beat six other guys, how are you going to go beat number one ranked Arizona and all their players? You can't even beat six of your own guys. So to win your spot, you got to finish in the top two. And then we get two coaches picks. So we pick the third and the fourth guy, and then we get those four guys together, and those guys pick their fifth guy. Dang. And so what that does is I always say I know a lot about my players. I could totally just pick five guys every week just from what I know about them, how they play, what they do under pressure. Uh, the, the, the guy I used to work for at Arizona, he always said, J.K., what uh, you think Joe Torrey – has a qualifier to see who plays second base for the Yankees. No, he watches batting practice. He watches practice. He does stuff. Hey, Jeter, you're the shortstop this week. I mean, he know that's what he gets paid to do. So that's what I get paid to do. I could totally pick, but if you just kind of get in a rut and you're picking the same guys, well then they now have the experience. It's hard to pick someone who hasn't played right. Cause they don't have the experience of what's been going on you can get people pigeonholed and they feel like they have no chance. And so then they're just mailing it in or they want to transfer or whatever the thing is, right? That how you see this in the other sports, right? Starting quarterbacks, getting all the reps, the backup may be really good. He may be almost, I mean, it may be tight and the backup may have an awesome week of practice, but in the end, you're still, you're not putting him in. You're not just starting him because he threw a couple good passes in practice. Right. And so you got to make it to where, They've got to overcome that. They've got to win like a mini tournament, you know, and show what's going on. Because in golf, week to week, your best player could be having a bad week, right? Whereas your best quarterback, even if he's having a little bad week, he's still your best quarterback. He's still the best point guard, that kind of thing. He didn't just suddenly, but we all know great players can play bad for a couple weeks. And if that guy's not playing well, we need somebody else to play in. We can't just have somebody just hey, you're in now off the bench, need to see that. And so we have like qualifiers, you know, now we play a lot of tournaments like this, where I was telling you, we had all these back-to-back tournaments. There's no qualifier in between. If somebody had played bad in one of the tournaments, I could have just come home and said, you're out, you're in. I chose to keep the lineup, these last three tournaments the same because we had momentum going we played well or maybe something happened to us and we didn't even play good that day but we weathered that storm together as a group and we picked each other up went to the next day and we played good 
you know, want to keep that momentum going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. As being as a, a basketball coach, you know, you kind of stick with the, hey, uh, the the best, the five that has the best chemistry, or it's right. got the best teamwork, and that can really work together. And you kind of you, you have to ride the wave. You have to ride the wave, and you got to stick with the hot hand before you try to get drastic and try to change things up. Yep. And it, I want to know, you're a good amount of years removed from Arizona. How sweet did it feel? If any, any were there any emotions with you uh, finishing better than them at the Cabo tournament? Yeah. Um, so Jim Anderson's a good friend of mine. Um, but Chris Nalen is the assistant coach. He played for me there. That was nice. You know, I kind of gooned him a little bit. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes. It, it's, it's, it, that's obviously nice, right? You know, I had some friends from Arizona, you know, call me, Hey, saw what you did, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that's fine. but, uh, but I have, honestly, I got relationships like that all over the place. I mean, I'm, an Aggie. So trust me, losing to Texas by one shot, that killed me more than anything else. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to beat them so bad. It's unbelievable. Uh, the coach <laughs> at Oklahoma State and I grew up and played high school to golf together. We've been best friends since sixth grade. We're in each other's wedding. I wanted to beat him more than anything. I would have trade beating Arizona number one for beating those other two dudes any day. And so, but no, it was nice. It was nice. And, um, the fact that no matter who it was, just the number one team, um, Sherman Corbett is my, you know, the old baseball coach. He's my sports supervisor. And, uh, you know, he said, welcome to the club. Because uh, when he was a baseball coach, they beat Baylor when they were number one, one game. And we're the only two people that have beaten a number one team in, uh, in school history at this school. So, um, it is pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? It's something to hang your hat on. Again, it's just something that these guys have talked about it for a long time. And I told them, Oh, y'all messed up now. You've been talking about how good you are and now you did it. Well, now you got to go do it every week. And, and so they were like, yeah, bring it on. So the next week they went out and did it again at SMU. And, and so it's winning breeds winning, just like losing can breed losing. And it's very contagious. And I really think that it's kind of one of those things where we, we can keep this going. That can spread. That can spread to the volleyball team. That can spread to the track team. You know what I'm saying? And I really think that that's a lot of the reason why you see a lot of these other schools that have a lot of success. It might just start because the football team played really well and won 10 games. It got everybody hyped up. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I've, I've always said that, uh, you know, and it probably does. It, it's probably got to fall more that way, right? The golf team fire <laughs> the basketball team to win the tournament. Yeah. The but you just never know, right? Because it's then talked about more. They see each other in the weight room. They see each other in the training room. And it's talked about what you did and what you won and that you're, you know, player of the week or, you know, whatever the thing is. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a nice pill. Well, it seems like Lisa's really has, uh, Lisa has really that culture going in the right direction for, uh, UTSA athletics from top to bottom. And it's nice, you know, nice with coach trailer and football. It's nice what summer's doing and what you're doing with the golf program. And it, it's really nice to see, you know, that, uh, the UTSA men's basketball team got their first round win yesterday against Charlotte. And it's really nice to see. It seems like y'all are all on the same page and y'all all have that, that culture heading in the right direction. And uh, you got a lot of fans right here. I'm going to post up a couple of things. I got uh, Arnold Garcia right here. Awesome job, coach. Made me a UTSA golf fan. That's awesome. 
I got Simon Trevino right here. Go runners. Uh, Albert Hutchins. Congratulations, UTSA golf team. Uh, we got and, and, it, and it's nice. It's nice to see that. Uh, you know, you got some, you got a lot of people. And like you stated, when we first spoke, you got uh, that, you know, your, your Aggie network, you have a lot of people that are rooting for you that didn't graduate or didn't attend UTSA. You have a lot of people, a lot of fans here in San Antonio that are just rooting that just want to see UTSA do well, because it is, you know, our predominant, you know, public university here in town, you know, and um, it's, it's really nice. What do you think coach is, is, the biggest key for you as you head down this uh, home stretch, finishing out March and then heading into April with, I think I, I saw that you're going to be in the Aggie tournament as Aggie invitational. And what do you think is going to be the best thing to come out of those tournaments as you hit your stride for the conference USA? Well, so on the schedule is the Louisiana classics this coming up Monday, Tuesday, um, number five, Illinois will be the top ranked team there. Um, then we'll have a couple weeks off and then we go to Houston, the Bayou city and, um, we'll see a couple top 25 teams there. And then the Aggie invitational every year, I mean, it'll kind of almost mirror the Cabo. It'll be all those top ranked teams, you know? Um, and so on the, then, and you know, then we go to conference USA. So as of today, we're the highest ranked team in Conference USA. So, you know, if it all ended today, we'd be the number one seed. Now, just like anything, that doesn't mean anything. You know, um, I mean, it does. I would not want to be the number 13 seed. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, they don't have a chance. Right? <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, I got you. Uh, so, so, I mean, it does mean something. and But it doesn't mean that just because you're the number one seed, you're going to go in and you're going to win. Right? Um and so, but, it, but it's nice to kind of have that, right? So what's going to happen going forward is it's going to all come down to resiliency. So here's a little story for the fans. Yes, yes. This is what I, this is what I want. Who cares about the fans? This is what I want. <laughs> well, this isn't a great story, but. Oh, man. <laughs> a year ago, March 11th, I got the phone call on the driving range of the TPC that all this stuff was shutting down, Right. And we were about to head to the Louisiana Classics. And Sherman called and said, hey, you know, with all the things, you know, the basketball tournament shut down, we had all these things, you know, going on. And we didn't know at the time, ah, is this going to be a week? Is one tournament deal? Is this going to be a month? Yeah, we're going to miss one or two tournaments or uh, that kind of thing. And before you knew it, I mean, by that night, uh, the, everything was shut down. We weren't playing the conference, NCAA, that kind of stuff, right? So a year goes by, and I told you, so what did we have? We had that gut punch, and we got through it. And then we had to get through not playing in the fall and we got through it. And then we had to get through the snow, not playing in that tournament. We got through it. Then we had to play in our first tournament, no practice for nine days. And we got through it. Now look what all we've done. And this morning we had a positive COVID test from one of our best players. And with contact tracing, it looks like there's a possibility the the whole starting five is wiped out and we're not going to get to go to Lafayette. Now, it depends. It may not contact trace out that way. And only two or three players are knocked out of which, what are we going to have to do? We're going to step up. Some of these dudes that haven't played you're in, let's go over there and play. And, but another gut punch or what are we going to do? Are we going to gripe about it? Are we going to whine about it? You know, get all upset. 
or that kind of thing? Or are we going to just say, here's another, here's another curveball, and we're going to hit this out of the park? And, you know, it might be a deal where we have to say um, that we can't play. We can't play this week, and we don't play until Houston. But nonetheless, we're going to get through it, and it's just going to make us stronger. And I firmly believe this team's going to win that conference championship. And whether we win or not, we're already going to be ranked high enough. We're going to make it to that postseason for the first time ever in school history. And once we make it there, we're going to get out. We're going to make it to the nationals. Well, I think coach, that, I think that's a Testament thing. That that's a bomb. That is a bomb. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that coach. That, that, that's a bomb. That's a bummer. But like you stated, it seems like, <laughs> Hey, you guys are battle tested. You've been, you've been through some of these things before. And I think that's a Testament to you, to, to you and uh, y'all's leadership. You know, it seems like uh Y'all don't make excuses. You don't have uh, pity parties. Uh, you got to roll with the punches. Got to grind it out. Yep. Uh, and it, and I'm confident, Coach. I'm super confident in y'all, in uh, your team, that y'all are going to do something. You're going to make some headwaves more than you actually are making right now. 26, being ranked 26 right now uh, by Golf Stats, uh, that's amazing. I remember when we spoke the first time, you told me that uh, y'all were ranked like when you came there to UTSA, y'all were ranked, I think, in the hundreds or something like that, the high hundreds. 264 Woo! out of 300 Woo! is what we were at one point in those mm. first couple of years. Or now we're 26. Mm. That's so. uh, it's <laughs> that's a test. That's a testament, coach, to, to your leadership and to your guys. And uh, being there at the Cabo Collegiate. It was really nice to see a lot of fans there, a lot of UTSA fans, and to see y'all uh, to see the teams that came over here to play at TPC. Uh, that was really nice. It was it was neat to see the the star power for the teams, and that uh, your guys didn't bat an eye. You know, y'all looked head to head with these these strong schools, and it seems like they want some more. And uh, I, I know y'all are going to do some great things in the postseason, and I wish you nothing but the best. I got some. I got some more. I got one more comment right here. Um, it doesn't come up, but it's a birds up. That's one of my good buddies, Robert Powell. He runs the VGA, the Veterans uh, Golf Association, uh, Texas division. And uh, got another one right here. Uh, congratulations, coach, and the UTSA golf team. Great mentality, coach. And it is, man, coach, uh, coach K, you, you really set the tone for your team. And uh, man, I'm super psyched. I'm really, really excited for where you've got this team and, uh, I wish you nothing but the best this remaining year, Coach. We're definitely going to keep a, an eye on you. Uh, I hope this COVID, the, this COVID issue with your team, uh, you know, y'all get through it and y'all come up on the, the correct side. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what y'all do. Awesome. Really appreciate you having me on today. All right. Well, thank you, Coach. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just staying on as I close out real quick, I'd appreciate it. Sure. I really like to thank Coach K and the UTSA men's golf team for being on the show today. Uh, it was great insight as to what he's going through. And the bomb dropped on the show uh, having a, a, a COVID issue uh, and seeing how he responds. But it seems like Coach is the great leader that his team and our school really needs. You can follow UTSA men's golf team on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter at UTSA men's golf. Also, please make sure you click subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and check out the YouTube channel. Please hit me up on Facebook, on Instagram, on any social media platform. If you want to see somebody on the show, you have any questions, please hit me up. We're really trying to help grow this podcast, and I appreciate your help and your support. 
Remember, in the game of life, nothing is OB.